Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the EPL Weekly Podcast. On this pod we're going to take a, a bit of a detailed look uh, at Liverpool and what's going on there, or maybe what would be better saying is what's not going on there at the minute. There's certainly very, very little coming out of it. And I'm delighted this morning to be joined by uh, Sashin Nakrani from uh, The Guardian. Very good morning to you or good afternoon where you are, uh, Sashin. All well with you? I'm very well, thanks Dave. Thanks for having me on. Very, very welcome. Delighted to be talking to you this morning. Well, listen, let, let's get straight down into it. And I think probably the best place to start is is the Virgil van Dijk uh, fiasco, I think maybe we could call it. Mm. Uh, certainly a, a little bit of sort of amateur R from Liverpool, uh, I think, is, is, is some of the fans' frustrations around this. What 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 do you know about this one, and and, and what do you know of, of of what transpired with with the collapse of this one? Well, obviously everyone knows what happened in in essence that that Liverpool um, essentially tapped up Virgil Van Dijk, uh, and and then I don't think Southampton were ever annoyed about that. They're they're realistic. They know what goes on. At, you know, at, in football has been going on for decades. You know, players always you know have for years now talked behind the scenes to clubs behind you know behind the backs of their current employers. That's how deals are made. I think what infuriated Southampton was how blatant Liverpool were about it. And, um, I mean, what I found astonishing was that Jurgen Klopp met Van Dijk in person in, I think it was Blackpool, which is completely bizarre. I mean, he probably wanted to do, a, you know, give Van Dijk the personal touch. But nevertheless, that, that seems very unprofessional. One thing that I've been told, um, which I don't know if it's been, well, I wouldn't be reported because it's, I, I found out from someone quite close to it all, is that the story we're led to believe is that Liverpool gave this reckless briefing to... Um, to the Merseyside journalists, you know, this where they basically gave him absolute, you know, verse and chapter about what had happened and how Van Dyke was so excited about to come to Liverpool. What I've been told, it's not as straightforward as that. Liverpool didn't give a briefing to the journalists. They they did confirm the story once journalists started it. There was a group of about three or four journalists who got hold of the story. They went to Liverpool, said, look, we've heard you guys have been talking to Van Dyke. He wants to come. Is that true? Liverpool confirmed the story, but they didn't give a, a wild unprofessional brief and basically it was the journalist who had the story who put out the information now where that information came from i'm not 100 sure um but certainly yeah this idea that there's some reckless press officer at liverpool who um who put this all out in one foul swoop isn't quite true but nevertheless yeah it was very as you say amateurish and a real blow for liverpool i think as things stand in early july because they desperately need a center half i think i think they need a high quality center half and dyke i think is an absolute superstar in the making i saw him in the flesh three or four times last season, quite a few, a few times was when, uh, obviously, Southampton played Liverpool quite a few times, twice in the league, twice in the cup. Saw him a couple of other times as well. He's an exceptional centre-half, I think. You know, it's a blow for Liverpool, but I think the deal could still be done. I think if you just take the basic elements of it, Van Dyke wants to come to Liverpool, we know that. Liverpool want him, we know that. And Southampton realistically can't keep him. So, I hope, you know, I hope Liverpool have sort of spoken to Van Dijk since the transfer collapse, you know, behind the scenes and said, look, sit tight, we're going to come back for you and hopefully a deal will be done in the next few weeks. You know, obviously Southampton have said if, if, we, do, if we do go back for him, obviously they, they may still report uh, on that one for, for improper conduct. But surely, I think now we're, we're, in, we're in a position where the only way this goes through, Sachin, is if the player actually forces it himself and puts the transfer request in. And again, that could have, you know, that, that could sort of muddy the waters a little. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it does it does often work. I mean, that's how, I think that's how we got Dejan Lovren. I know when Adam Lana, I don't know, Lallana didn't hand in a chance of request, but he he made life very uncomfortable for Southampton uh, ahead of coming to us, a couple, or coming to Liverpool a couple of years ago. Uh, and there's no doubt Van Dyke wants to move. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but he, he put that tweet out a few weeks ago of him sitting on an aeroplane looking wistfully out the window and, 
it was a, a not so subtle message, I think, that he's uh, he he was very upset that the transfer to Liverpool had fallen through. I mean, he put a tweet out just in, I think literally 24 hours after the the deal had fallen through. So yeah, I mean that's what Liverpool might be saying to him, and you know, handing a transfer request, and maybe even give him a set date to do it on. And it's all very tawdry in that sense, but this is just how football works, has done for a long time. Um, and yeah, you're right. If he does hand that transfer request in, Salamander may then use that as a moment to um, to report Liverpool, or you know, what else might just purely happen is they might say, fine, okay, you can have him, but we want ninety million pounds for him, and because he's on a long-term deal, they don't have to sell. And so they get the best of both worlds, really. They probably get to keep the player, but if they don't keep him, they get an, you know, an absolutely you know, uh, astronomical fee for him. So Southampton are in the box seat in a way, really. But um, I'd love him to see him at Liverpool. As I said, I think he's a, he's a superstar in the making. No, I, I totally agree with you. I would, I would love to say we, we desperately need him. But you know, to, to broaden the, the, the window a little bit uh, and bring in uh, Naby Keita from uh, uh, RB Leipzig, who again we're we're being told is not for sale one minute. Here's his price the next. Um, the player has intimated he wants to come to Liverpool, and you know I know we spoke briefly before we started this. It, it does seem the more unlikely of the two, but we are persisting here. You know, there's still the interest. It doesn't appear that Liverpool are backing off. The interest is remaining. The clock is ticking. Um, you know, preseason has started. You know, I know that you maybe feel that this is this is a, the lesser of the two days are the, the least chance of the two going through. But there's no smoke without fire here, Sassin. Oh, absolutely not. No, I mean, Liverpool wants him. I think that's absolutely certain. And I think my reading of it is that he does want to come. Um, but again, Leipzig are in a powerful position. They're in the Champions League. They don't need to sell players. They're a very ambitious club. Um, I mean, I'm just going purely on gut here. Just a gut feeling that I don't think he'll sign. Uh, it just seems like one of those deals. I don't know if you remember a few years ago when we were linked with Gaston Ramirez, I think the entire summer of 2013. And, uh, you know, there was the odd day where it seemed like it was going to happen and the odd day it wasn't going to happen. And this just feels very similar. It's just, there's, you know, you wake up one day, you hear a report, oh, we're getting closer to a deal being done. Then, you know, the following morning, Leipzig had rubbished it. And it just feels like one of those deals that just won't get over the line. I mean, he's. I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm not. I'm not an avid watcher of the Bundesliga, so I haven't seen him uh, a lot of him. But you know, by all intents and purposes, and from all the reports I've read, he's a fantastic player. I'd love him to see at Liverpool. Um, but I don't think he's a priority for the club. Really, I think we're okay in midfield. Um, Henderson's obviously got his injury problems, but otherwise, I think reasonably well stocked. Obviously, though, he would add quality, so there's no problem there. But I don't think he's a priority. But it's the fee, isn't it? I think, as, as you said, we had a chat before we started recording. I mean, £70 million is uncharted territory for Liverpool and for, for FSG in particular. Uh, and whether they're genuinely willing to go to that level or not, I don't know. But then again, they were willing to go to £60 million for Van Dijk. So, yeah, time will tell. Yeah, and, and if they do start going to these types of figures, it, it is it's, it's a step away from, from what we have seen from FSG in their, you know, in their history, basically, at Liverpool. But, you know, given the fact that you know, we have these astronomical fees moving around the Premier League at the minute. For for mm. I'm sorry to say it, but in my opinion, bog average players going for thirty million. It seems that this is the new market and this is the new reality FSG find themselves in. And I still think it's like a very, very much a key key moment this window for for FSG at Liverpool. Oh, it's enormous. Yeah, I mean, this is. I guess we say every summer, but this feels like a really pivotal summer. I mean, I I would say the last two decades, Liverpool have had. In my opinion, um, three really big summers. The summer of 2002, where they just finished second to Arsenal under Gerard Houllier, but looked in really good shape to, to push on the following year. 
Uh, then there was the summer of 2009 where they finished second again under Rafa Benitez. They had a fantastic team, you know, the team of Torres, Mascherano, Alonso, etc. And again, not ready to push on. And then the, the summer of 2014 where, again, finished second, had uh, lost Luis Suarez, but a lot of money back in the Champions League and, and had, you know, had great pulling power and, and finance. And they ballsed it up on each occasion, basically. So there is that worry that, OK, we haven't finished second last season, finished fourth, but back in the Champions League, Got that sort of uh, elite status, you know, uh, close, you know, close, you know, you know. I say elite status because we still have to qualify for the Champions League, but you know, not far away. We we should qualify. So back in the Champions League, and um, you know, the money's there, uh, and it's just whether FSG now see this through. But it's been a very slow summer so far. But then again, most of the top teams haven't signed that many players either. I mean, Chelsea have signed what Rudiger, Arsenal signed Lacazette, United have signed uh, is it Lindof and, and Lukaku. Tottenham haven't signed anyone as far as I'm aware and we've signed Solanke and Salah so I think that's you know all the top clubs are in that difficult um, stage where they're trying to sign big players because they're big clubs but the clubs who hold those players at the moment are in no rush to sell them don't feel rushed to sell them so you could see a surge of activity maybe uh, in two or three weeks time just you know just ahead of the season maybe even as close as you know the end of the actual transfer window in uh, end of August so there is time, but I think Liverpool need to get a little bit of a move on because I'm sure Klopp wants the players before pre-season well and truly kind of uh, kicks into gear or, you know, properly gets going because, you know, he has a very specific training regime. I'm sure he'll want all the players involved in that. No, absolutely correct. You know, from listening to Klopp, you know, throughout his tenure at Liverpool, he, he does really put a, a huge emphasis on pre-season. And, you know, obviously... These clubs, for, for example, if we, we look at Van Dyke, they'll want to get their replacement in before they sell, maybe. And this is why maybe there's going to be protracted out until August. But, you know, for, for the likes of Van Dyke coming from a Premier League club to a Premier League club, you don't expect too much of a transition. But for, for the likes of, and as I said, you know, clearly this, this Nabikita is not going to go away anytime soon. It, it looks like it's going to linger on and probably go on through to August. Can Liverpool afford to not be moving on on, on maybe, the, uh, is there a plan B? Uh, you know, we always say that, you know, whenever we lost Salah the first time, whenever we lost William, there was there was no plan B. We, we saw Balotelli having to be bought as, as a panic buy in August before. And I think for me, Sashin, this is what I, my worry at the moment. I'm not panicking, but there's a worry in me that I've seen this before and I just worry that we, we could be in this same territory yet again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Balotelli was a disastrous signing. My my 27, 28 years watching Liverpool, the worst signing we've ever made. And we can't be repeating that type of mistake again. Um, yeah, you've got to hope there are plan Bs in place. Um, but I think this is such a huge sum. I think Liverpool need to pretty much get their, their plan A signings in. You know, they're on the cusp of doing some really good things under Jurgen Klopp. You know, we're not going to, I don't think we'll win the Champions League next year, but we could make an impact there and certainly, hopefully, be involved in the title race. But to do those things, the first 11, I think, needs a bit of a boost, uh, which then will have the trickle-down effect of boosting the squad because current first 11 players will then you know, be on the bench. So they need to they need to get the players over the line uh, this summer. And, um, yeah, I mean, I really don't want Liverpool to be signing their plan Bs. I want them to get Van Dijk or... You know, an equivalent. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't say a plan B, but someone. You know, you know, a high-level centre back. I don't want them just. You know, end up sort of scrabbling around for the Balotelli version of a centre half. And for me, the other priority is a left back. You know, they cannot continue with um, Milner and uh, Moreno as the options at left back. Neither. You know, Milner's just not. Well, it isn't a left back, and Moreno's simply not good enough. So, they're the priorities. And as I said, for me, Kaita isn't really a priority. That's my own personal opinion. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want the club to obsess over that too much. I'd rather they focused on on those two positions I just said. 
No, indeed, and you know, you mentioned on a left back there, and there's been there's been rumours and little bits of rumours, but nothing really concrete. And it, it is an area, you know. Don't get me wrong, Milner did all right for for you know a few months last season, but in my own opinion, towards the end of the season, he was found wanting in that position through no fault of his own. You know, he, he's out of position, and we do need a specialist there. It looks like. Uh, a deal for Moreno will sort of materialise. It looks like there's an appetite to you know to move him on. So one would imagine that we'll, we will see some movement in that direction. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there was the uh, turn down bid from Napoli. I can't remember the fee now, but I remember it being a fee I would have happily taken for, for Moreno. I think it may be something between 11 and 15 million. Uh, yeah, he's simply not good enough. He's ju- just not good enough for that position. He's a decent attacking player, but defensively, uh, pretty pretty woeful and Milner I totally agree with you did okay you know I think overall you'd give him six and a half maybe seven out of ten for the season but the last few months he was really struggling um, and yeah it's just not left back simple as that I don't want a right footed left back anyway and certainly one who's, a, who's actually a midfielder yeah and yeah I've been slightly concerned well I won't say slightly I've been very concerned with the lack of strong links to left backs I think there was, um, was Andrew Robertson I think that's his name from Hull um, again, is that the quality we're looking for? Maybe there's just simply not enough there was good left backs out there. From Celtic as well, who seems yeah. to be an amazing prospect. Yeah, I've heard very good things about him. He's he's a definitely a Premier League player in the making. But uh, again, I would want some reasonably established there. But as maybe they just aren't the players out there. So there's no point signing somebody for the sake of it. But um, uh, for, yeah, for me, that's that's another priority signing as well. Although I don't think Klopp sees it that way because I just you know the, the links and the rumours aren't there. No, indeed. Well, let's listen. Let's move into to two signings that we have made, and you know, uh, we signed Mo Salah from uh, from Roma. Now, I'm not a great watcher of of Italian football, so I can only base my knowledge of him on, on what little I saw at Chelsea, which sort of didn't he didn't blaze in glory there. But from what I'm led to believe, he's a very very quick player, and he has improved immensely from his time at Chelsea, and will fit our system very well. Where do you stand on him? Yeah, I'm really happy with that signing. Um, his, I wouldn't say too, I wouldn't hold too much stock uh, about around his uh, around his time at Chelsea. He did, I, yeah, people call him a Chelsea flop. He's not a Chelsea flop. He didn't play. You know, it's hard to be a flop when he didn't play. I mean, he had a handful of appearances, I think. But uh, he's he's been excellent at Roma. I mean, last season he scored 15 goals and assisted 13 others in 31 league games for Roma last year last season, which is really good stats. Um, he's yeah, he's fast as fast as anything. You know, he's he's really quick, and Liverpool need pace in that team. When Mane's not playing, there's no pace at all, really, in, the, in Liverpool's attacking uh, end of the pitch. And even when Mane is playing, he's then the only real sort of pacey outlet. So if you shut him down, then then you've done your job as the uh, opposition defence. So I think Liverpool need another fast player. Uh, so he gives them a real injection of pace. He, as I said, from his time at Chelsea, he knows the Premier League a little bit, so that's useful. He will go to the Africa Cup of Nations with Mane, uh, or I presume not the January coming, but the one after. But I mean, that is a long time in the future, so we shouldn't obsess about that too much. Uh, but yeah, delighted with it. Creeps up really quick, though. <laughs> it does, yeah, it does. But you'd like to think, I mean, Liverpool didn't prepare at all for Mane's departure this year, which is really disappointing. But hopefully, by the come January 2019, they will have uh, they will they will be in a position to cope with losing those two guys. But um, no, really happy. He may not play every week, you know, because you look at Liverpool's front line options. We're pretty well stopped there, really. I mean, you know, you, you, the front three that was, at, you know, when Liverpool were at their peak last season of Mane, Firmino and Coutinho could well be the front three again, although I'd, I'd be very interested to see Coutinho in midfield. But, um, yeah, if it's Salah, Mane and Firmino, I mean, that's frightening. So, uh, no, very happy with him. Very happy as a signing. Indeed. And the other young lad to come in uh, is, is Solanke from, from Chelsea. And 
it's, it's a signing session that, that sort of says to me there'll have to be a movement out to, to facilitate this kid, and, and I'm not sure just you know where he he'll fit in in, in Jurgen Klopp's plans. Obviously, he he's he's in them, uh, but but at this stage of the season, it's hard to see how he fits in without some movement out in that direction. It's a slightly strange one because what I'm led to believe is he is he is not going to be blooded in the first team immediately. He's going to be. Uh, maybe have six months in the academy playing under 21 level and then sort of, you know, he's one for the future. But if that's the case, then it's slightly strange he decided to leave Chelsea because he was in that position there, really. Although, you know, he may see his path a bit clearer at Liverpool. Um, if you, Yeah, I mean, going by your logic, which is absolutely valid, that, you know, he's going, you know, he's going to be pretty much part of the first team plans. He's going to be maybe you know, the third reserve or the second reserve striker, shall we say, Firmino is your main man and Sturridge is on the bench and then he's the man behind him. Then that would suggest Divock Origi is in, in big trouble. Or Danny Ings, maybe? I, I was I was more thinking because, you know, obviously that like Danny Ings has been ravished by bad luck. Like he was like seriously, seriously bad luck. Mm. And I'm just wondering whether they're saying, you know, enough's enough, it's time to move him on, maybe. Yeah, well, the fact you just mentioned Danny, the fact that I couldn't remember Danny Ings, and you, you mentioning took me by surprise, tells you how little football he's played since he came. Yeah, he's been so unlucky. Yeah, I mean, football is a brutal world. It'd be a real shame because before he got his injury, he was doing really well, and it would be a real shame if he, um, or his first injury, I should say, when Rogers, Brendan Rogers was still manager, it would be a real shame if he, um, if he was sort of if he left the club because I think he's got lots to offer. And he's not old at all, you know. He's I think he's early mid twenties. So. Yeah, Slanky's a slightly strange one, but I think what there's no doubt about it. He's a he's a really talented player. I mean, anyone who saw the England um, is it under nine under nineteens was it this or one age group, uh, group above that the under twenties under tw- yeah under twenties I think wasn't it that won the World Cup? Yeah, he was fantastic for for England and he's been touted as a bit of a superstar in the making for quite a while anyway. And I think Mourinho spoke very highly of him when he was Chelsea manager the second time round. So no, good signing. I mean, for two million you can't or two stroke four million whatever it is. Um, you can't go too wrong, even if it doesn't work out. You know, it's not going to cost Liverpool a lot. And uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how he fits into Klopp's plans. And, you know, we're talking about outgoings. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Lucas and whatnot past the sell-by date. Do you see, you know, obviously Moreno may go, Sacco, we, we assume, will, will, will go. But do you see any more movement, you know, along the lines, maybe a storage or something like that? Or do, do you see him remaining? I was convinced Sturridge would go this summer, but increasingly, I think he'll be there next year. I think he had a decent end to the season. Last couple of games, West Ham away, Middlesbrough at home, he played really well. Um, there's been no real talk this summer at all of him leaving. Um, no rumours or anything. Although, I think I think it's one of those where I think he's probably reasonably happy. He's, he knows he's not, a first, he's not a starter, but I think he's excited about being at Liverpool. He's confident enough to, to feel if he's fully fit and he gets a chance, he'll... He'll get back into the team and stay there. I think Klopp likes him. I think there's there's an idea, there's a personality clash. That's one I shared. But increasingly, I'm thinking actually, I think he probably actually likes him as a, as a guy and, and certainly as a player. But saying all of that, I think it's one of those where everything will be absolutely fine until a club comes in with a big offer. And if um, just you know pluck a team out of the air, out of completely random. If um, you know if a Tottenham Hotspur, I mean Tottenham wouldn't do this, but if Tottenham came in and offered twenty million for Sturridge. I think Liverpool probably go, yeah, you know, we'll take that. It's one of those where I don't think they're touting him around. I don't think he's agitating. So he could well be a Liverpool player come the start of the season. But if a club comes in with a with a decent offer, I think I think he could be off. Um, but yeah, that aside, yeah, it's hard to. Say. I don't think the squad. Is, I don't think there's a lot of wastage in the squad. It's not a very big squad, so I don't think Klopp can afford to lose too many players. I mean, I, I I'd be very happy for Lucas to stay, but equally I won't mind him going. 
Uh, Sacco's a strange one because talking about centre halves, I mean, you still can't feel he could do a job for Liverpool. Oh, really, don't, it's don't almost start me. Don't start me. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm similar mindset. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I'm a big fan of his, but obviously Klopp isn't, and you just think we're, you know, we're trying to spend 60, 70 million on Van Dijk. Have we actually got the answer there already? But I don't think that's the case. I think that is a personality clash. There's a real big personality clash there, and I think he he will go. And I think I think he could still end up at Palace. I know they're saying they can't afford him, but I think a deal could well be done. No, I'm sure Palace might be able to structure something. Um, and, and he did seem qu- actually quite happy there in his time um, yeah. when, he, when he was at Palace. So, you know, again, he's one that I would hope that, that goes to somewhere that he wants because I, I do have a soft spot for Mamadou Sacco. I really, really do. I think like some of the treatment he's had was maybe a little bit over the top, but obviously without knowing the, the, the full ins and outs of it. But certainly just taken in context of our season and how much we need a player like that, I can never mm. make sense of it last season, uh, why he was at Palace. But here, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, how many incomings do you think that we will have? Uh, and, and do you think that by you know by the close of, of this transfer window that we will be sitting happy? You know, I know there's a lot of fume out there on Twitter. I know there's, there's people like myself who are beginning to get a little bit concerned, but still sort of keeping the powder dry, waiting to see what happens. What do you feel our response will be You know, at the end of August? Do you think we'll be happy or do you think we'll be disappointed? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I think probably just slightly disappointed. That's my gut feeling. So I, think we'll, I think we'll sign two more players before the end of the window. I think we will get the centre-half, whether that's Van Dijk or not, I don't know. I think we'll get a decent centre-half. And maybe get a you know a reasonably good left back, you know, not someone off the standard we want, but someone who is at least a genuine left back with Moreno possibly leaving. But as I said to you earlier, I just don't think uh, Naby Keita will will come through, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration will will exist with or will lie with Liverpool fans because that has been the touted deal of the summer. You know, every day there seems to be an update on Keita or or a retraction in terms of the progress being made on that deal. And I just, as I said, I just can't see. Um, being pushed over the line. So I think that's where the frustration will lie. Liverpool fans will, there's some Liverpool fans convinced he'll sign and then he won't sign and there'll be disappointment. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think two more. I think a centre half and probably a left back. And then, yeah, so four, you know, four players. Is that enough, you know, for a push on the title and, and, and Champions League? Possibly not. But as I, just, I think. You've already sort of said there, Sassy, you know, last season we did have a clear out. We did, you know, we didn't have European football. Yeah. We left ourselves very bare. And I, I suppose I was maybe expecting, you know, five to six signings, um, you know, to, to, to get us over the line of this campaign. And I'm and, and thinking along the lines, if we got out of the group in Europe, we'd be doing exceptionally well. You know, it's been a long time since we've been there. I don't even count Roger's time there because it was a disaster. No, no, uh, in, absolutely. In the Champions League. It's been a long time since we've gone into the Champions League with a serious mentality. Uh, it's maybe the best way of putting it. And that's the way I, I want Liverpool to go in this season. And for me, I think we, we sort of needed five or six to maintain that, maybe going out in the round of 16. I, I don't have aspirations beyond that, but I would like to get out of the group. And, and I just, that for me is, is what I'm looking at and sort of saying four minimum, five or six ideal. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think the squad needs padding out as well. And he maybe he may, he may get a couple of, um, you know, squad players in. But I think the issue, the issue Liverpool have got, and this is in contrast to uh, to Everton, who are obviously having the time in their lives, their sports with their summer, I say sarcastically. You know, we are shopping now at the top end of the market you know, but being back in the Champions League and trying to push on from fourth, you know, fourth place, Liverpool are trying to get really good players in that to, to boost their first team more than anything. So, 
that's just more difficult because there are fewer, by for obvious reasons, there are fewer very good footballers out there than they are average footballers, and they cost a lot more. And you know, you're dealing with bigger clubs who you know don't necessarily need to sell. So it's just a more drawn out process. And although Liverpool might be targeting five or six, I just wonder if they're going to get that many. And also, I don't want them just signing players for the sake of it. That, going back to the Plan B thing, I don't See, really want them worry. signing. That's, that's, that's the worry the, coming in. Yeah, I don't want them signing, you know, a Balotelli. I don't want signing someone for the sake of it and then being lumbered with someone. I'd rather, you know, if you go back to that summer, summer 2014, you know, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I wish they hadn't signed Balotelli and had no striker because he was more hassle than he was worth in the end. You know, it caused more grief than if we'd had, you know, the invisible man playing up front. So it is a tricky one. And I just can't see Klopp wanting to sign squad players. I think, you know, he's got a lot of faith in the, you know, young, some of the young players like uh, Alexander Arnold and, and Ben Woodburn. So I think he'd rather use them than just sign some, you know, thirty-four-year-old for a million pounds, which is a, you know, a, a, an admirable stance you could you could say. So, yeah, that's why I think he's going for quality over quantity. And I think my gut feeling is four four signings before the uh, close of the window. Two or two two in obviously already in Salah and Solanke. Well, you know, obviously with that in mind, just sort of closing it out. Do, do you see then maybe the, you know the likes of Valaria and Ojo maybe stepping up and Ben Woodburn maybe getting more time? Um, is this the, you know if we don't get these targets do, do we turn to our youth well we probably have to although you, you know the amount we relied on them last season was, was far too much especially in January you know that disastrous month but they they played far too much football and you looked at Liverpool's bench at certainly the second half of the season I mean it was just it was just ridiculous you know it's like looking at a youth team's bench it was far too many kids there but saying that I'd rather have them there than as I said you know you're sort of one million pounds Philip Deggan, Andrei Vorovin type player because they just, you know, give you nothing really. So, as I, said, I don't think Klopp wants to sign squad players. You know, I think he wants to have either, he wants to have kids and then players who are genuine first teamers, even if they're sat on the bench. You know, he wants quality in depth. So, um, I think he won't sign players for the sake of it, which is probably a good thing. Um, and that, yeah, by natural consequence, that'll probably mean the likes of Woodburn and, you know, Laurie and, uh, Laurie, sorry, and Alexander Arnold playing a decent amount of football next season. Um, but I wouldn't want them playing as much as they did last season, or certainly in a condensed period like you know, like January, where you're playing a lot of league games, cup games, etc. No, and and you you know you've got the extra weight of Europe on us. Listen, yeah, it, it, it's just it's going to be interesting times. It is interesting times, and you, you know we we used to complain and we got too much information out of the club, and and certainly this window, I don't think we'll ever get anything more out of the club. But but the signs of it is just total and utter radio silence, which. You know, you and I have supported this club a long time. Radio silence, you need to go really back into the sort of 80s. <laughs> uh, to yeah. To find the time that Liverpool were this watertight with, with rumours and whatnot. My my eternal hope is that they say everything is still going on in the background. The fact that we haven't, you know, publicly pulled away from, from uh, Naby Keita or Virgil van Dijk, it just leaves that sort of, the, the ember of hope. That, uh, that, that at least one of those two will come off um, as, as the window progresses. But listen, Sashin, thank you so much for your time. It's just a, a quick check-up on, on all things Liverpool. Uh, anything you want to plug, where can we find you on Twitter? Please feel free. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, pleasure. No, I really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, yeah, on Twitter, at Sachin Nakrani, uh, uppercase S and uppercase N, if that makes a difference. I'm not sure it does. Um, no, not much to plug. Very quiet summer. Um 
I'm sort of taking a break from podcasting with Anfield Index at the moment, so I'm not doing that. The, the runner, is, uh, which I used to host, is under new uh, hosting ownership, should I say. The uh, very talented Chris Williams is hosting that now, so uh, I still recommend listening to it, but I won't be hosting that anymore. Um, so, yeah, no, quiet summer and, yeah, sitting back like you, hoping that Liverpool signs some uh, very good footballers between now and the start of the season. Well, we can only live in hope. Uh, but the, the signs are there. The, the fact that we're moving into that type of marketplace and whatnot, and the fact that we're you know putting our oar in the water of 60, 70 million, I think FST have finally got it, Sashi. Mm, let's hope so. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time as always. And as, as I say, from my own point, I've been ill a few days. We're, we're, we're running pretty much sort of... Uh, on a skeleton crew here at the minute, not an awful lot of football taking place, but we will be back uh, in the next few weeks on, on full power as the season gets going. Just thanks to everybody for listening, and until the next time, it's goodbye.